Welcome to the Work Life Coach Podcast. I'm Leah May, corporate HR exec turned leadership and life coach. It's time to step away from the Sunday scaries, imposter syndrome, and burnout into self-leadership, emotional intelligence, and intentionality so you can build a fulfilling and authentic work life. Let's go. Welcome back. Today, we're digging into a topic that hits home for many high achievers. You guessed it, imposter syndrome. This is something near and dear to my own personal growth journey because let me tell you, I have been there. But before we get started, I want to remind you that coaching is nuanced. Every person, situation, and circumstance is different. So I do not offer one-size-fits-all coaching or advice. And what is right for you may be different from the folks who are writing in. Use this conversation responsibly as a starting point for your own curiosity and exploration. And now let's get into our letter. Today, Channing, she, her, is writing in from Austin, Texas. Hi, Leah. I'm a 38-year-old marketer. I lead a team of seven, and I'm entrusted with a large budget. I'm accountable for substantial deliverables each quarter to my company. And the pressure of this feels intense. In my last two performance reviews, I received praise across the board. And yet, I still feel like a fraud. Like I'm not good enough to be in this role, and it's all going to come crashing down. Does this feeling ever go away? I'm 38 and I still have imposter syndrome. I feel like I should be there by now. Help. All right, Tani, thank you for writing in and for trusting me with this question. And let me tell you how relatable it is. I can promise you that what people are projecting on the outside, especially in work situations, it doesn't always line up with how they're feeling on the inside. I've worked with some seemingly incredibly confident people who behind closed doors when we're coaching, are asking me this exact question. So let's break down what you're feeling. You mentioned you do have a particular level of success. You've gotten great performance reviews, you're leading a team, you've got a big budget, and yet you're still feeling like a fraud. So culturally, we would call this imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is defined as doubting your abilities, feeling like you don't belong or you're not good enough. It's disproportionately felt by high-achieving people who question if they're even deserving of accolades and find it difficult to accept their accomplishments. I want to address why imposter syndrome even exists. It's a common enough experience that we've coined a term for it, and it's pretty common in the career space that we speak about. So if so many people are feeling this way, I wonder why we make ourselves wrong for it. Simply acknowledging our humanity and a shared human experience solves for so much of this. But folks who claim imposter syndrome, often they were raised with a familial or a cultural context that set them up for high achievement. And often it's high achievement with low recognition. Perhaps this was your family of origin. Perhaps you had to work extra hard to build yourself out of a really tough upbringing. Perhaps your family immigrated and there was an intense pressure to make the most of this opportunity. Perhaps you just never really received praise or recognition. All of these examples create scenarios where we are conditioned to work exceptionally hard, but without validation or reinforcement, it can leave us to question if we're ever really doing enough or living up to expectations. An example from my own upbringing was when I graduated from high school, with a 4.0. I was very excited. I was feeling so proud. I thought my parents would be so proud. And then overhearing my dad get really upset on graduation day 
when he realized that I wasn't valedictorian. Now, in his defense, he was not coming down on me, but rather what he interpreted as unfairness in the system. But what I heard in my adolescent state where I desperately sought his approval was that my best wasn't good enough. This added to an internal narrative that was building that told me good isn't enough. It has to be great. Great probably isn't enough either. It really needs to be the best. We pick up these narratives from our parents, our education system, our workplaces, and especially for women, but even more so for underrepresented groups, our cultural norms raise the bar for what it takes to be seen and recognized. So of course, our internal dialogues begin to reflect this as well. So often, we're simply a product of the systems that we were conditioned in. And while it's not our fault that we were born into these systems, it is our responsibility to do the work to untangle that programming and take responsibility for how we choose to live and navigate once we have this awareness. Just as imposter syndrome is a learned trait, confidence is too. If we can learn to question our abilities, our belonging, our value, then we certainly can learn to believe in them as well. And I'll be honest with you, if you have years or perhaps even a lifetime of questioning yourself, it's going to take a strong intention to untangle this. Notice I didn't say time because the amount of time is not going to be the thing that undoes this. It's the amount of intention that you pour on it over time. So the million-dollar question, how do we overcome imposter syndrome? I believe the opposite of imposter syndrome is self-belief. Imposter syndrome says, I don't belong, I don't have what it takes. But self-belief says, I recognize my value, and I know that I'm worthy of being here. The great news is self-belief is the very foundation of confidence. So this is truly a worthy endeavor. It's the foundation of feeling more comfortable, more confident in your skin anywhere that you go. So get ready to take notes or hit save on this episode so you can be sure to come back to it in the future and reference it again. I'm going to walk you through three steps to overcoming your imposter syndrome. Step one, we're going to create awareness. Step two, we're going to shift your language. And step three, we're going to create a practice. The first step, creating awareness, It's the one that everyone wants to skip, but it's actually the most critical. We cannot improve what we do not acknowledge. Now, having awareness can be deeply uncomfortable, but if you're willing to sit with that feeling, you're going to be able to see the work that needs to be done. Tracking is super helpful for this. You can keep a journal or more conveniently, just keep an ongoing note in your phone of each time you feel like an imposter. I want you to get really specific. Track it. Not just in your mind. This is not a mental exercise, but really, I want you to take a few seconds to write down each time that you feel like an imposter. I want you to look for the patterns. Understanding when this feeling creeps in, it's key. An example of a note you could keep in your phone, name the circumstance, and then name the emotion that followed. So perhaps the circumstance is the president of your company asked for your opinion in a meeting. And the emotion that brought up was intimidated. Another circumstance could be that you presented in front of a large group, a larger group than normal, and the emotion that came up is insecure. So this first part is just about tracking, creating awareness, 
bringing attention so we can later look for the patterns. Step two is shifting your language. Speaking intentionally to yourself is one of the quickest ways to create change. And I want to address the mindset that we create when we claim certain labels. Language is really powerful. Your brain believes the thoughts that you repeatedly feed it. So if you've been saying you have imposter syndrome for, let's say, five years, your brain now has five years of belief that this is true. The potential harm in this is we start to take on these labels as identities, as who we are in the world. And with enough repetition, we just start to believe that this is fixed. It's just a fact. It's just how it is. And this will make it much more difficult to navigate out of. So in order to make a shift, we need to right-size the language for the occasion. Do you have imposter syndrome all the time? Or do you sometimes feel like an imposter? To paint a clearer picture of this, I want to use a non-imposter syndrome example. Listen to these two sentences and see what you notice. Ready? Sentence one, my whole house is flooding and everything is going to be ruined. Sentence two, there's a broken pipe in the basement and the water is rising. Do you hear the difference? In the first example, my whole house is flooding and everything is ruined. Everything's terrible. There's no solution. It's just catastrophe. But in the second example, there's a broken pipe in the basement and the water is rising. Now we know where the problem is, how big it is, and where we need to go to begin fixing it. The specificity of the right-sized language allows us to think more openly about how to problem solve for this issue. And it's the same thing when we speak about our lack of confidence or our feelings of imposter syndrome and honestly, any flavor of negative self-talk. Instead of, I've suffered with imposter syndrome, try going back to the list where you are tracking your awareness and speak more specifically. That might sound like, when I'm presenting in a big meeting, I can feel like an imposter. Or when I'm around my company president, I can feel like an imposter. Or when I'm emailing on a chain of eight or more people, I can feel like an imposter. Notice I'm being very specific about when. Not all the time do I feel like an imposter, but sometimes specifically these times. This is important when we distance ourselves from an identity and we right-size it for the occasion. Because even though it can feel like imposter syndrome is on 24-7, I can guess with some level of certainty based on how many people I've helped with this work that you actually do feel confident at least part of the time. Perhaps it's when you're strategizing marketing campaigns or managing your team in their one-on-one. This is why language matters. Our brains love to catastrophize and go to the darkest places possible. And when we catastrophize, our brain shuts down problem solving. It's back to that example of the water in the basement. Everything's ruined, right? But when we right-size something, we name exactly when we feel it. It's more approachable and we know specifically what we need to work on. It leaves openness for us to problem solve. And this will take us to our final step. We need to create a practice. So now that we've tracked our imposter syndrome when it creeps in the most. We're creating space for curiosity and problem solving in our language. We're getting more clear about the specific instances. Now we can create a practice for addressing them. 
And I noticed in Chani's letter, she said, I feel like I should be here already. But self-trust and confidence, these are not final destinations. I need everyone to hear me. This is a journey. This work is not linear, which means there's no magic box that we get to check and say, I did the work. I no longer ever feel imposter syndrome. But we can practice. And just with any skill, with practice, we can learn how to increase the amount of time that we feel self-belief and confidence and decrease the amount of time that we feel imposter syndrome. To create your own practice, go back to the last step and look at those specific instances where you feel like an imposter. I want you to pick one event that is likely to repeat so we have more opportunities to practice. So maybe it's a reoccurring meeting that you have. Maybe it's every time I email on a large chain with a lot of important people. Maybe it's every time I run into the president in the hallway. So let's make a plan for how to prepare and help you feel more grounded in your self-belief. Remember, self-belief is the opposite of imposter syndrome. So when we sit and intentionally journal and write out a step-by-step solution, we start to take control of our outcome. This, friends, is where the majority of people fail in their goal to overcome imposter syndrome. They think that simply naming it and thinking about it a lot will make it go away. But as with anything, internal work takes repeated practice and intention. It's not enough just to think about this. We have to take action for it to actually improve. Here are the journal prompts you need to help craft your practice. Before going into this situation again, what is one thing I can try next time to tap into my self-belief beforehand? Now, the reason I'm not going to give you a list of things to try here is because, again, the opposite of imposter syndrome, what is it? Self-belief. And in order to build belief, your brain needs evidence that you can turn around a challenge and find a solution. But I promise you, this process is going to help you find it. So again, we're going to ask, what's the one thing I can try next time to tap into my self-belief beforehand? And then after the situation happens, we're going to run a quick evaluation and we're going to journal out the answers. So yes, again, I want you to write them out in your notebook, take notes in your phone, but truly document this process as data. We're going to answer three questions. What worked? What didn't work? And what will I try differently next time? Then we're going to repeat this process all over again. The next time you have the meeting, the next time you're planning to run into the president. So we'll go back to the very beginning. Okay, now that I have this data and I've answered these questions and I've got an answer for what I'm going to try differently next time, I'm going to plan for that. I'm going to prepare for that. And then after it happens, I'm going to go through these three questions again. What worked? What didn't work? What will I try differently next time? This is not one and done. Your imposter syndrome will not disappear after one round, but you will begin to collect more data. You're going to have some successes. You're going to experience some failures. And all of this gives you information for how to adjust in the future. If you do this on repeat for even, let's say, a few months, you will be shocked. If you truly study your answers, apply your curiosities, your skill set for self-belief will build. There's no way it can't. So I encourage you to create a challenge for yourself. Grab a notebook, make a note in your phone dedicated to this work, and schedule even 10 or 15 minutes a week writing, reflecting, and planning. That's it, a practice. 
Remember, it's not the amount of time that it takes to improve imposter syndrome, but it's the amount of intention. So again, it's not enough just to think about this. We have to actually create a plan for how am I going to go after building self-belief? If I'm really, truly tired of feeling like an imposter, how do I take the reins? How do I apply intention? How do I study my results and what's happening, turn down the catastrophizing, and really focus on what can I do the next time? Got that information? What am I going to do the next time? Ooh, more data, more information, amazing. What will I do differently next time? And you will start to learn and see what works, what helps you, what supports you in tapping into your self-belief. So again, the three steps for shifting the imposter syndrome away and inviting the self-belief in, we're going to create awareness. We're going to be really intentional to shift language. And we're going to create a practice of intention and action. I'm so excited to hear how this journey goes for you. Let me know what you learn in your exploration, and I will look forward to seeing you again here next time. Thanks so much for being here, for tuning in, for leaving a review, for subscribing to the show. All of these actions help get the word out so more and more people can lead intentional and meaningful work lives. As a token of appreciation, I have a special gift for you. Head on over to the theworklifecoachpodcast.com slash thank you, or simply click the link in the show notes for my library of free resources, worksheets, and exclusive content to help support you on your journey. Thank you for being a part of our community, and I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.